Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. You can cry when sin is exposed, can't you? I'm so sorry. I'm crying. I've been found out. And by the way, sin does come out in time. It might fool a lot of people around you. It might fool your spouse. It might even fool your closest friends, your accountability partner. It might fool them. But if your heart has not changed, then you have not truly repented. And God sees that. He's not concerned with your tears on the outside. He's concerned with the heart on the inside. God disciplines his children. He does not judge them. Sometimes discipline may appear to be a form of judgment, but in actuality, it's instruction and guidance from his loving hand. When God disciplines his children, it's always a good thing, even when it seems to be judgment on the surface. It is for our benefit. Let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 1, with today's study. Being disciplined is a good thing. It helps you learn. And the thing is, you guys, it's foolish to not take correction. It's foolish to not take correction. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but who hates correction is stupid. I don't need to expand. And so here in verses 1 through 6, we are going to see the children of Israel get corrected for their disobedience to God when God said, drive out the inhabitants of the land. This is a problem. They disobeyed. And God wasn't going to let it go because he told them to do it. And when you don't do what God says, what is that called? Sin. Disobedience. (laughs) And so God is going to deal with that because God is a perfect God. And so we will see that tonight. And you guys, again, know that we naturally do not and we want to do everything that we possibly can to avoid discipline, right? But again, discipline is a good thing because discipline shows love. It says this in Proverbs 3.11, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. If God didn't correct the children of Israel, what would that be telling them? I don't care. Whatever. I don't care about you. You, you want to go do that? I know it's going to be bad for you. I know if I told my son, Sam, who is you know, at the right height for you know, grabbing everything off the counter you know, and, and pulling down the oven when it's hot, if I didn't love him and I didn't say, no, Sam, no, don't do that. Whatever, Sam, I don't care. I've got something else to do right now. And then he hurts himself. Does that show that I really care for Sam? No. And so God is concerned with his children. He doesn't want them to get hurt. And we'll see with what here in our text. So let's, again, we are going to dive into this. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Verse 3. 
Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Then they called the name of the place Bochim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went uh, each to his own inheritance to possess the land. So here we see that correction took place at some time in Joshua when he was still living, okay? Because if we remember in Joshua, the children of Israel, as they were conquering their land, after he gave them the inheritance, they did not fully drive out the inhabitants of the land. So now we're kind of taking like a, a rewind back, okay? A rewind that shows the heart that was starting to be developed in the children of Israel. A heart of disobedience and unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so here we see, first and foremost, right up to bat, we see the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord came to confront the children of Israel. Who is the angel of the Lord? Now, the angel of the Lord is usually interpreted as the Lord himself. So the Lord would occasionally, in the Old Testament, come and present himself. And you see this in Genesis 16.9 with the angel of the Lord appearing to Abraham. And then again with Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 11. And then again you see the angel of the Lord coming to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. Now, I believe that the angel of the Lord was Jesus in a pre-incarnation appearance because Jesus is the second part of the Trinity, right? God in the flesh. Now, we don't have time to go into a deep, deep study about that. But Jesus, you know, you might be thinking, well, Jesus didn't come around to the New Testament. Well, right, but Jesus has been there since the beginning, Jesus has always been there. In fact, John in his gospel tells us this in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he continued in his gospel in verse 14 of chapter 1. He says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This tells me, guys, that Jesus Christ was in the beginning. So who am I to say that this couldn't be Jesus appearing to Moses or to Abraham or even to the children of Israel here? Jesus himself said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus is God. Okay. And Jesus has always been, and he will always be. So going back to our text, the angel of the Lord came up to Gilgal, right, to, to Bochum, to confront the issue of the children of Israel. So he goes in and he says, he begins and he says, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. He starts in, and first of all, let me just say, if the Lord has to come down to correct you, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's huge, okay? So he comes down and he starts and he says, I'm going to start reminding you guys of my faithfulness. 
I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. I pulled you out of that. Do you guys remember? I pulled you out of uh, slavery. You were under the hand of Pharaoh, and I took you out of there. Took you through the Red Sea. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then God goes into saying, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. So God was clear in Deuteronomy when he told the children of Israel, when you get into the promised land to drive out the inhabitants of the land, to get rid of everything, because he was giving them the promised land. He wanted the full worship to him. And so he tells them, I will never break my covenant with you. I promised that I would give you the promised land. God doesn't break his promises. The Lord tells him, I, I told you to get rid of these guys. Man, God's being mean. <laughs> He's being mean here. Is it really that big deal that you have new neighbors? You know, they're a little different, but... No, God was being loving here because he was concerned for the heart of his children. And Israel, as we've read in Joshua, and now again, we've learned again, they were disobedient to the Lord. Because they did not do it. And we learned that last week. Verse 27 last week. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen. <laughs> they were disobedient. So we hear the Lord confronting the disobedience. He wants answers. He wants answers because if you see in the text, he says, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? And if you're a parent, I love this question. Because I say to my kids, why have you done this? And you know what the common response is? I don't know. I don't want to hear that. I want to know why you did it. And God wants to know why you did this. This isn't just like, why did you do this? Why have you not obeyed my voice? Uh, why have you not obeyed my voice? This is a problem. And God knew it was a problem. Because if you guys caught it in verse 3, he says that, Therefore I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. God knew that their gods, their false gods, would make the children of Israel fall into a trap. And so he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't know. Like any parent would ask, Why? So here we see, again, the Lord confronting the disobedience. But I want to zoom in what the end of verse 1 says. When he says, when the Lord says, I will never break my covenant with you. What a powerful statement. I will never, never break my covenant with you. Hey, this is good news. Why is this good news? It's good news because God means what he says. And he sticks to his word. And so this is really good news for us because we have a new covenant in Jesus Christ. We have a new covenant in Jesus. Jesus said this, for this, is, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus said it. He meant it. This is the new covenant, my blood. And if you're going with God's word here, saying when God's saying, I will never break my covenant, that tells me, that the blood of Jesus, the same blood that takes away the sins of, the, of all of us, the sins that we all commit, that we can be forgiven. His blood is for the remission of sins. All right, we won. We got it. 
Okay, so tell us what we win then with understanding that. If, if Jesus' blood gives us a remission of sins, what does that mean? It means life, eternal life. Wow, eternal life. And so God has established a new covenant. The old covenant is the law and is no more. Why is it no more? Because Jesus has fulfilled it. Romans says in Romans 10.4, For Christ is, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. To partake in this new covenant of God, you need to believe. Believe in what? John 6.29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. John 3.18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the holy begotten Son of God. The new covenant is for remission of sins, which only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by your works, not by how good you are, not how good looking you are, or how ugly you are. It only comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if we want to partake in God's new covenant, what do we need to do? A covenant that God is not going to break. What do we need to do? Believe in Jesus Christ. And the new covenant brings forgiveness. And what does forgiveness bring? Freedom, hope, peace, joy, life. Jesus brings all this through his blood. And I love it, man, because God won't break that. It's not going to change. The remission of the sins is not going to change. It's through Jesus Christ. That's awesome. How do you figure that it's not going to change? Because God doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The remission of sin will not change. It will remain only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So back to our text, though, okay? So the Lord tells Israel, because you have disobeyed, I will not drive out the inhabitants of the land. Instead, they will become thorns to you, and their gods will become traps for you. You know what that tells me? It pays to obey God's voice. It pays to obey God's voice. So then, after receiving the correction that the Lord is giving the children of Israel, what does Israel do? Verse 4, so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Well, that would bring to heart that they repented. But you know what, though? Receiving correction brings tears. Just like spanking a child. They cry after being spanked. Oh, uh, by the way, the Bible says it's okay to spank your child. It does. In fact, the New Living Translation version says in Proverbs 22, 13, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. Now, if that's too soft for you, guess what the King James Version says? Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Correction of your child is okay. Now, it's what takes place after the tears is what matters. Tears are okay. Tears are okay because it hurts to get corrected. But what happens to the heart, that's what matters. Because remember, guys, what does God look at? What does God look at? 
He looks at the heart. Well, how do we know that? Bible scholars, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Speaking in context of choosing King David to be the king of Israel. He was a scrawny little kid. And Samuel's like, this one? Yes, this one. I'm looking at his heart, not at his, what he looks like on the outside, okay? <laughs> but this is remarkable because you can cry all you want on the outside, but if you are not changing on the inside, it's a show. And kids are probably good at this. How do I know that they are really sorry? Well, by their actions. They cry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, just like the children of Israel did. The Lord rebuked them, he corrected them, he spanked them, and they cry. They lifted up their voices and wept. To me, if I was there, I would say, hey, they're, they're repentive. They repented. Look at them cry. They're crying. But as we will learn in the book of Judges, they were crying on the outside. They were not crying on the inside because they followed their own ways and did what was right in their own eyes. You can cry when sin is exposed, can't you? I'm so sorry. I'm crying. I've been found out. And by the way, sin does come out in time. It might fool a lot of people around you. It might fool your spouse. It might even fool your closest friends, your accountability partner. It might fool them. But if your heart has not changed, then you have not truly repented. And God sees that. He's not concerned with your tears on the outside. He's concerned with the heart on the inside. The prophet Joel said this, So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Man, the second half of this verse, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and, and of great kindness, and he does not want to do harm. He relents. He holds back from doing it. Why not? Why not take it from the outside and take it on the inside? Why not? Because I like sinning. I like to do what I'm doing wrong. And I really don't think it's wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. If, it's, if you're disobeying the voice of God and the word of God, it's wrong. It's a sin. Why not rend your heart? Guys, Jesus is willing He's willing to forgive you. He paid the price for those sins. He willingly took on our shortcomings and he took them upon the cross with him. He died for our sins so that we wouldn't have to face punishment. And to read in Joel that God is gracious and he's merciful, he's slow to anger and of great kindness and he relents from doing harm, why not? To me, it reminds me that when I sin, it's not worth holding on to because I know that I will be corrected and that God already knows my heart. So if he already knows my heart, who am I fooling? Why not just repent and turn away from it? Why not just give it to Jesus? Why not say, you know what? 
this is what you say you do, well then I'm going to believe you and I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to see what happens. You can't fix yourselves. Only Jesus Christ can fix you. We are healed by his stripes. He can only, he's the only one that can free you from the bondage of sin. And sin is heavy. It weighs you down. It is a heavy yoke. But Jesus is the only one that has the key to unlock that yoke. To me, it's a really good deal to repent. Repenting brings joy. Repentance brings happiness. Repentance brings freedom. I don't know who wouldn't want joy, happiness, and freedom. I think we all want those things. So repentance comes from the heart, you guys. Crying on the outward and crying out in words, those are byproducts of true repentance, okay? I'm not saying you can't cry when you repent. Be a, you know, suck it up, you know? You know, those are byproducts of repentance because I know when my heart is truly hurt and burdened and when I'm crying out to the Lord, yeah, my face is wet. You know, when I'm, when I'm repenting to the Lord, but it's the heart that needs true repentance. The children of Israel get corrected by God. And as we move forward, we will see in the rest of chapter 2 and the weeks to come, Lord willing, we will see them become more and more unfaithful to the Lord. More and more unfaithful to God. This correction didn't last. It didn't last. It didn't last. So if God has corrected you, or maybe you're being corrected by God over an issue, listen. Again, going back to the title of the message, right? If you deserve it, take it. Correction is a good thing from the Lord because he loves you. It says this in Job chapter 5, verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Happy is the man whom God corrects. I want to be happy. So I'm going to take it. If I mess up, I want to take God's correction because I know that he loves me unconditionally and he knows what's best for me. He says in Proverbs, the Lord says in Proverbs 3.12, from whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as the father, the son in whom he delights. Parents, if you've had the joy of parenting, which would make you a parent, if you've had children around you at all, you love them so much and you want the best for them and you will do whatever it takes. If that means a little swat on the behind to change them from doing something that's going to harm them, you're going to do it. Not out of anger, not because you're mean, because you love them. You love them and you don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to go down the wrong path. I'm going to take your keys away because I don't want you to sneak out and get hit in a car accident because you wanted to be going to parties. I hate you, Dad. I love you, son. And that's exactly what God does with us. And so if we're being disciplined, man, be happy because that shows you that God loves you. That's awesome. God corrects because he loves you and he cares for you. But I always go back to what I said earlier. It's better to just obey. Obey. Obey in the first place. Just obey him. Trust in him. And as we learned in Deuteronomy 29, 28, you'll be blessed if you obey the word of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Grace to the Hearers with Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge. 
Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Judges. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, we'd like to make available to you a free copy of today's message. We can send you a copy of today's message on audio CD when you email us at info at grace to the That's info at grace to the Or you can listen to or download the message as originally recorded at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Just visit our website at www.gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. Again, we invite you to visit our website at gracetothehearers.com where we provide helpful information about our beliefs, service times, and a convenient map to our church if you're in the Coolidge, Arizona area and like to visit us. We would also like to encourage you to prayerfully consider donating to Grace to the Hearers. We are continuing to expand our outreach. A secure way to give is provided at gracetothehearers.com. Click on the Donate button. Grace to the Hearers is the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel, Coolidge. Please join us next time as we continue our study through the book of Judges. That's next time on Grace to the Hearers. 